Welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast, where marketing swashbucklers, Sean and Lindsay, seek to demystify the fascinating world of modern marketing. Each episode takes listeners on a storytelling adventure that informs, entertains, and inspires marketing enthusiasts of all kinds. And now, here are your hosts, the two marketeers themselves, Sean Patrick and Lindsay Wow! Yeah! Woo! Take the stage! Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Bonjour. Uh, oh, bonjour. Comment ça va, Jean-Patrick? Ça va très bien, guy? Lindsay. No one can say your name in French. Quoi? Lindsay, what? What? <laughs> What's Woo! up? How's your morning starting? <clears throat> Great. Good. I actually didn't work out today. I think I've decided that day of podcast, I don't work out. You know what? I decided the exact same thing independently today. Yeah, because I was just like, no, I need to take that time and do my homework better. Yeah, I didn't work out either, and I thought it might affect my energy, but I'm feeling great. Working out, not working out is better. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry, pivoting. health experts. Is this a pivot? This is a pivot. This is a, it's a, yeah, we talk about with COVID how there's mini epiphanies. This yeah. is a mini epiphany. Forget it. Why am I killing myself out there every day? I know. No. They just... So in your preparedness this morning, what were you doing? Were you reading? Were you just hanging out? Well, I had an epiphany. Um, my typical habit Ooh. is, you know, we knew what we were going to talk about today. It's something I've, I always talk about. It's kind of like what you talk about lipstick effect. I weekly talk about this campaign. Um, and, uh, I'll tell you what it is in a minute, but basically what it was was, okay, so I just need to, you know, brush up on the facts. And, you know, I had, a, I had formulated my own revisionist history of how brilliant this campaign was. And then when I found out, it's kind of like, just like last week with you. Wait really? It's something else. So it's like, oh, it ended up being so much more brilliant in retrospect. And that is the, oh, ap mm -hmm. that is the Apple cool. Think Different campaign. The, um, well, my... I really want to know what you learned about it that was a big revelation. Because when that happened to me last week with the lipstick pack, I, I was like... No, like I was in disbelief because I've been peddling this wear for the last however, however long. And now it was a completely different story, right. but I was also into it. So what did you learn? So, okay. This, so this is our topic. Okay. Introduce our topic and we'll get into it. Let's okay. Just dive right in. I'm very excited to talk about what I always refer to as my favorite campaign of all time. And that is, as we mentioned, Apple's Think Different campaign. There's so many great lessons to be learned. Um, it's definitely, I put it on a pedestal of like what, when brands do great things and, and how we can all learn from it. Now, I will warn you that there's renovation going on in the house. So you're going to hear some banging, you're going to hear some stuff. And I just have to tell you, there's nothing we can do about it. Hey, so it's uh, all good. We will take the uh, the chaos with the the wisdom that we're going to gain from you today. Oh, thank you. Uh, this campaign in particular is a great example of when a brand, when a product, a brand that is a product, uh, transitions to really stand alone being a, pr a brand distinct from just the product. Um, it's a big step. Yeah, I think we were talking about it a lot too because we've been talking so much about the shift to brand marketing or having to focus on build brand building and long-term brand building. And then we started exactly. talking about, well, what about product versus brand? And hey, let's go back to that because 
there's still such a role for product product marketing and brand marketing together. So we thought it was something that maybe our listeners would like to have us dive into with your example being a perfect way to start illustrating it. Exactly. Just like last week, like you said, you kind of you kind of gave me a bit of an epiphany when you talked about, you know, measuring brand performance versus just marketing performance and how you do that and how that's going to be crucial for brands. So yeah, exactly. It brings it back to, you know, when did great brands, uh, when were great brands born and at what point? And for me, um, one point to make is there's product brand and there's brand and they can overlap products can definitely be a brand services can be a brand but a brand <clears throat> can be much a brand doesn't necessarily have to be a product or a service it can be something bigger and the whole point of it is the brand a brand is there to make a connection an emotional connection with an audience and sometimes that can happen through a product however when it comes to bigger brands and brands that are more uh, brands that are more what I would call lifestyle brands or, you know, truly based on something really big that has that, that sets a, a theme for all of its offerings. This is where Apple is a great example of, of becoming that. And the idea that understand that products are really the first thing they have to do is they have to promise a functional benefit. They have to live up to doing something for the consumer that the consumer wants done for a brand. Exactly. When that product does not succeed, if the brand is all about that product, that brand is kind of in a bit of a dilemma because everything's wrapped up into one thing, but where brand, too many eggs in one basket, you might say. Very well said. So for example, (laughs) though, even if you are a product, that's where things like customer service, customer experience, design, um, any kind of what I would call characteristics of your product that uh, provide value add beyond just the product itself. So again, let's say, for example, my product breaks, but all I have to do is call a number and they fix it, then we're all good. But that's all part of the brand experience. And I start to make an emotional connection through the experiences that I have beyond just using the product. So with that, let's look back to 1997. When was that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's just have a, let's play a little game. How old were you? In 97, I was, uh, how old was I? 15? <laughs> I was married. This is the year we got married and I think uh, we were expecting our first child. So anyways. What? You could just say, you could say me too, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, me too. Me too. So. As someone who went to design school and started as a designer, always been Mac. Never worked on a PC except for some little tiny unhappy windows of my life. But uh, I was working on a Mac when it was a five and a half inch screen and you had to print things out to see what they actually looked like. Black and white was the way to go, but it was an Apple computer. It wasn't even a Macintosh yet. I don't think it might have been. But anyways. So this was before the big kind of jewel colored ones and like all of that. Exactly. It's right before. And that's why that's actually very, very great that you mentioned that. So basically, the scenario was Steve Jobs had just returned back to Apple. I'm not going to get into the whole Steve Jobs history part, but he had left. Things kind of went yucky, bad. And then he came back. 
and things were bad. Um, I, I think, I don't know if it was him or not, but for example, the biggest thing was they, they launched the Newton. So it was a complete failure. Um, he'd actually launched a few things that failed, um, but that's fine. The idea that's was the they were- success, no? Yeah, right? <laughs> fail fast. So oh gosh, please do not tell me to fail fast. Okay. Basically, in retrospect, it was that moment when Apple became much more than just a computer that was fighting for its life and, and paved the path to Apple to be what it is today, right? Truly a lifestyle brand, multiple product offerings. So basically what happened was, you know, it's your typical 90s kind of thing. And I was working at an agency at the time, go figure, a digital agency. Um, at the time, things weren't good. Um, as I understand it, Steve Jobs brought in a whole bunch of agencies. Um, what I did do is I read, I found a great article on Forbes that was actually written by Rob Silt Siltanen, Siltanen um, who was, who's currently a big wig at his own agency, but at the time was at TBWA Shiat Day, and that's the company that did it. He was a big, mm. big, big important creative director. So um, kind of like I was for a week. And um, <laughs> anyways. Best or worst week of your life? Best. I had Whoa. the office. My office looked was the size of a squash court with windows. Yeah, it was crazy. That's a squash court is the size of a startup office now for there 40 you go. people. <laughs> so anyways, things weren't good. Uh, the way they tell the story is uh, Steve Jobs was like, look, we just need something out there because we are dying. We are burning. Um, they had very low market share. They couldn't get out of their existing sort of position in the market to be really for people like the creatives, the people who, you know, depended on Apple because of the software it offered and all the design software. And it was, you know, it, to us, it was a bit of a cult thing. Um, mm. But to the rest of the world, it just wasn't something that they could get their head around. Right. right. Like a, a, this isn't some kind of toy. They hadn't moved to mass. It was just very, was it too niche? It was. You're absolutely right. It was too niche. Um, and trying to break out of that niche, they just couldn't do it. Right. And I think the irony of the whole thing is the campaign parallels with kind of what they did. And that's where I kind of realized this was just about a creative idea at a crucial time. And that's about it. That's the part that's like, no, it's not like the strategy was this and, and all this stuff. It was like, we are having a shit show. And Steve Jobs is saying, I just want to do a poster campaign, but I just need to let people know we're still out there and that I'm back in some way. Right. And uh, so that was the sort of the non-story there. So it's really a creative story, which I really thought it would be about. Yeah, it was a great campaign. A strategic but, story. Yes, about like, how are we going to expand to... To, uh, you know, to be beyond just the computers. What I hadn't even realized was how bad things were for them at that time. So this was a crucial time. So it was a desperate maneuver to come up with creative that would help, that would resonate to a point of hopefully quelling some of the, some of the debate and some of that. They were being ripped apart by the industry. Hmm. So that's... A, good use of quelling. Haven't heard that in a while. Thank you. B, what did they do? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways the story just becomes a creative one where basically yeah two creatives of your typical pairing at the time of you know what i would call your typical agency advertising agency duo um went away as did many other agencies and they had they put together just a, a basic concept the concept was 
essentially think different. Um, and this is where I'll go into, you know, I'll, I'll pull from the articles and a few things because the, the, the story just tells itself. And then we can talk about like, okay, but what, it, what's the brilliant, what is it, 2020 hindsight? What's the brilliance that we look back to say, if that was a milestone, they were lucky and it was a brilliant creative campaign. And I think that was the sort of epiphany is I come from that, right? Like for years, it was about come up with an idea that's going to just get people to look at, get impressions and win the awards. That was pretty right. much what agency was like at the time. But what's so interesting is, that, you know, all the right things happened at the right time. This brilliance was couldn't be more perfectly timed. And as a result, it saved Apple and it paved the way to what Apple is today which is probably, if not the top, the number one, one of the number one brands globally. Right. Alongside the Googles and the Amazons, right? Yep. So what happened was what was going to start as just a, a, a billboard or not even just posters, they went away and, and the art director came back with this beautiful imagery of, I think it was Einstein they started with, a beautiful black and white photography. They'd already thought about, you know, think different as the approach is, you know, that's what we need people to do. We need to, people to think different about Apple. Right. And how they how they triggered that was to kind of look on, you know, as I always say, stand on the shoulders of giants. So their idea was look at other people who think different, but really help people understand what think different means by showing people who thought differently and revolutionized the world, right? Yes. So it was a very lofty thing. It was very provocative. And in hindsight, we think, wow, but it's really interesting to hear the story when it's basically just mood boards and, you know, here's a mock-up and here's this. So, you know, uh, he wasn't crazy about it. You know, they talk about the whole Steve Jobs part and this, that, and the other. Essentially is, you know, your typical creative agency story. But I thought it'd be really great to kind of go through a bit of the history and the specifics around it. Cool? Sure. So the campaign ran from 1997 to 2002, which is pretty amazing. Wow. Um, The the story... It really turned into a platform at that point. Yeah, and wait till you hear like one of my parting things. Here's the voiceover from the commercial. To the crazy ones. Here's to the misfits. The rebels. The troublemakers. The people who see the world differently. And then the closing is, the people who are crazy enough to believe they can change the world are the ones who actually do. Mm, (laughs) And I mean, just go online. I love brands and advertising. Right? So good. Just just makes everything okay. But that's, that's right. You're talking about going from a product to an emotional connection. Read that statement and tell me that that does not stir something inside. Right? And stick an apple on it. <laughs> stick an apple on it. It's all black and white. And it's back at the time when the Apple logo was that spectrum of striped colors horizontally across. Right. And you put beautiful, uh, what I'll call a very traditional serif font that says think different. Right? Like it is making, that is all it's doing. It doesn't say buy our computer. Like it is purely brand. Right. And the funny thing is, is the reason that had to happen was because they weren't launching anything. It was literally stop the bleeding. Well, they were trying, yeah, trying to bring att- attraction and attention to the brand. And, and like we've talked about so much lately, their values and and what they are and what they stand for in order to get people to feel something and consider them at all. 
But what's crazy about this is you in our in this day and age, and it's only what twenty years later, twenty five years later, what we what you and I do as strategists wasn't really was just starting to be a thing, and it wasn't what it was today because it was still based on what I would call uh, traditional metrics, right? You weren't be, you weren't able to really guess behaviors. It basically was how many you know how many impressions, and by impressions, it was done over math of like traffic in a certain area, how much traffic went through at this time for this billboard, uh, and then Nielsen ratings, right? Like who watched what and how many people saw the spot. So it was brilliant, purely as a campaign that was like that was just the that's 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 signature 90s, right? Give it to a creative team and they come back and the best one wins and they they live in glory forever until they do a bad campaign. <laughs> and I think like also in that situation there was such I want to say desperation because I'm not thinking of a better word for it right now is that they were forced to do something ballsy because of the desperation behind it and it's they say, you know, if we don't do something a little crazy, we won't survive. So yeah. that's the fuel for this type of work to go to an agency and a creative team and say, look, we need to be bold and we are going to work with you and accept ideas that push the envelope. Because many times people feel they want to be bold and they don't act, they won't actually do things that are bold. But, but here's the, the desperation behind it that made them do it. But here's what's interesting. You're giving too much credit to a marketer because there was no marketer. It was Steve Jobs, right? Like he was a marketing genius. Oh, I think genius. that's him saying it. Like we need but to he do didn't. something. He said we need to do something, but he didn't say we need to do something bold. He actually said, I don't know what to do and we're not going to do much, but show me what you've got. That was pretty much the brief. Okay. Yeah. So the boldness was them kind of saying, we're not going to do all this shit for free. We're going to come We're going to think about it. We're going to whip together an idea and... He, he'll either like it or not. So, right. I mean, there's a lot of back and forth and you rip them a new one. Apparently, he's, you know, quite a person, whatever. But that's the interesting stories. They're the ones who said, and they also said, you can't do this small. Like, this is the idea and this is the message you... So, it was like complete 180 then from what I think he would have expected. Right. But he was open to it. A lot of times, I think people, yes. like creatives, do come back and say, you can't do this small. And, and people are like, well... I yeah. still have to deliver my next quarter, so... <laughs> exactly. Well, he, I, I think he was literally at the point of not having a next quarter, right? Like, exactly. Yeah, the desperation, yes. Yeah. And the ego. I mean, ego is ego. So it's famous for his ego is, you know, he was back in. So he had a lot of pressure, if anything, on himself. This was a truly personal thing. And maybe that's where this all comes from, where it was his, his right. ego was threatened um, as well as the company, but it was just this really personal struggle. So maybe that's where it resonated. And the fact that they just went away and kind of thought about it as brilliant creatives do. And they must have touched on something because they actually were like, he's either going to hate it. He's probably going to hate it. But we think this is the right thing to do. Fast forward to basically it launched. It uh, I, I didn't have time to get to all the details because there was so much, but it was like, they couldn't cut it below two minutes. Like what they had put together for him was two minutes. And he was, you know, it took him a mm -hmm. minute, but he was blown away. And it was a second edit. He didn't like the first one. But they couldn't, they're like, we don't know. So I think there was some real innovation around getting them a two-minute spot in a world of media where that didn't exist. So that was pretty big, right? Right. So that was another innovation of it. But it was so good. 
The only reason they could do that, it was so good. Like it's mesmerizing. So I'd recommend yes. anyone to go online and Google Apple Think Different campaign. And it's just, I don't know, it, it never ceases to create the goosebumps, uh, raise the hairs on my neck. And um, speaking of which, I really have to go to a barber. But anyways. <laughs> Pandemic um, hair. Yeah. So did you get in at all to any sort of the performance or impact that this initiative had on the well, brand? Th this is what was funny because it also made me remember they didn't post results as transparency as transparently as we do now. I remember that. I remember entering awards competitions. And I remember at the time you couldn't share traffic or anything like that. But here's what they have as it relates to kind of how it did or what it did. Mm -hmm. And I think that's even more important. And this is uh, right from the mouth of Rob Siltonen. When the Think Different campaign launched, Apple immediately felt the boost despite having no significant new products. So that's, remember that. Right. Purely brand marketing influencing sales. <clears throat> Within 12 months, Apple's stock price tripled. Right? Like that's foundational. That's what a brand, a good good branding should do before it does anything. So Apple stock price tripled. A year after the Think Different launch, Apple introduced their multicolored iMacs. They, if they had done that without leveling the field or being bold and starting to say, we need you to start thinking differently. And when you do, let's talk. Right? Like we exactly. are for those they outliers. They people's eyes before... Yeah. Into think something more worth paying attention to on a mass scale. And then any of us who were those, I'll almost call them outliers or that niche, we were like, fucking yeah, that's the computer I use. Uh, yeah, this is such a cool transition to talk about. Can yeah. I layer in something quickly? No. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Please, Lindsay, please layer. I'd like to do one quick layer. We are making a souffle, and here is my layer. Does souffle have layer? I don't know. No, they don't. I'm not a chef. I clearly. think that's a flan, so, a trifle. We're making a Oh, trifle. yes, darn, a trifle. Okay, so I we're both big fans of Seth Godin. So I would, when I was just searching around last night, I was reading something, and I'm like, oh, it, just, it plays so well into what you were just saying about their transition and what happened right after this ad. So they say, what Seth Godin says, if you're defining a brand, he says, here's my definition of a brand. A brand is a set of expectations, memories, stories, and relationships that taken together account for a consumer's decision to choose one product or service over another. If the consumer, whether it's business, a buyer, a voter, a donor, doesn't pay a premium, make a selection or spread the word, then no brand value exists for that consumer. A brand's value is merely the sum total of how much extra people will pay or how often they choose the expectations, the memories, the stories, and relationships of one brand over the alternative. A brand used to be something else. It used to be a logo or a design or a wrapper. Today, that's the shadow of a brand, something that might mark the brand's existence. But it takes more than a hat to be a cowboy. I'm like, <laughs> yes! There it is. Nailed it. I love, and this was written in 2009. It takes um, more. Let's just pause on that. It takes yeah, more. Yeah, it takes. Than a think hat. about the topic of this podcast today is product marketing versus brand marketing. And it takes more than a hat to be a cowboy. <sighs> Booyah. That's exactly what happened here. You know what it's this like is? They were a hat. They made a really good hat. 
You know what but this only is? for certain cowboys, and they needed to become. You know what that a is? A cowboy. What? That's a mic drop. <laughs> oh, I, I did it like it. four times. I thought it would be louder. Cooper, don't you break the mic when you drop it? No. But I'm just like, yes. It's so. It's exactly what you're saying. Is that you move beyond one specific product to become a set of expectations, stories, and memories. And this was the foray into Apple setting a story for themselves and creating memories through connection with people. So cool. Something around the product is property of the manufacturer. And the, the brand, brand is? is a property of the consumer. A brand Brands lives. are property of people. What the challenge is for a brand is to make sure that your brand is perceived the way in the, in the minds of the consumer, the way you hope it can be. And this is the very beginning of how I always start brand positioning projects through strategy with clients is that, remember this, if you do not set what your brand is, people will set it for you. For you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in, but yeah. No, yeah. So strategic development of a brand is you deciding the story that your brand tells, not having people decide what your brand is to them without your input. It's being able to guide the brand as much as possible from the brand, um, the brand itself. And nowhere is that more true than in a personal brand or a small brand. You have a brand where you, whether you like it or not, at, at every level, right? Yeah, people, like products, people, brands, same thing. Yeah, and if you don't do something with it, others will. Exactly. Okay, so we talked about the iMac, right? The computers represented revolutionary design, and they became some of the best-selling computers in history. That was my first computer. Aww. My parents were so progressive. But without the Think Different campaign preceding and supporting them, it's likely the jelly bean-colored and gumdrop-shaped machines would have been viewed by the press and general public as just more toys from Apple. And toys is is quote. Right? Right. The brand was the lifeboat. They used the brand as the lifeboat and they, they pumped it up. They, they pumped it up. They made sure there were no leaks or actually see, this is where I give it more credit than it's due. But where the credit is deserved is from brilliant thinking. Haha, <laughs> pardon the pun. Brilliant thinking. And, and <laughs> I, I guess my it. epiphany was sometimes <laughs> I have to reappreciate the gift of true creative thinking. So anyways, um, I think I'm just going to skip right to the just Wikipedia's overall sort of commentary on it. And I just think it's perfect. In, in retrospect, the new ad campaign marked the beginning of Apple's reemergence as a marketing powerhouse. In the years leading up to the ad, Apple had lost market share to the Wintel ecosystem, which offered lower prices, more software choices, and higher performance CPUs. Worse for Apple's reputation was the high-profile failure of the Apple Newton, a billion-dollar project that proved to be a technical and commercial dud. The success of the Think Different campaign, along with the return of Steve Jobs, bolstered the Apple brand and reestablished the counterculture aura of its earlier days, setting the stage for the immensely successful iMac, all-in-one personal computer, and later the Mac OS X operating system. Boom. And in the end, I just wanted to say, as of 2020, think different, in quotes, was still printed on the back of the box of the iMac and possibly elsewhere. 
Wow. The legacy. I don't think I have parting words. I think we've talked about it. It's, it stands it stands alone. But what I would say to people is go look at it. Just go look at it because it's timeless. If that came out tomorrow, no one would like technically execution wise, the words are perfect. They are truly timeless and they right. inspire. And that's Apple's whole idea was we, t- we, we they inspired, but it was totally tactical. <laughs> Yeah, but it doesn't mean that it, you know, it doesn't, it can't be tactical in execution. I think that they were perhaps maybe a bit more strategic than they even realized. Exactly. Hey, at that time, I remember the first time I met a strategist and it was around that time and I was being interviewed at a big agency that was trying to steal me away from another agency I'd worked at for like four months, which I loved, but I was like, oh, look at me getting interviews. And uh, it was the owner and their, their strategist. And I just was like, okay. Like, what is that? I was literally like, okay. Clearly she was like a, a, a senior, like I think she was even a partner. But I was like, okay, well, I don't know what that is. I thought it was client service. So it's the, uh, the, the one person who thought most strategically in the company. <laughs> exactly. And then they looked to the UK and said, hey, people are being called strategists. You should be one of those. Exactly. <laughs> and here I am on the other side of the table, 20, oof almost 30 years later and that's what I'm calling myself. So it took me 30 years to figure out what she did and I want to be it. <laughs> well, there you go. I so know, segue to marketing. you. Yeah, brand marketing really does have that power to, you know, stir people and make that emotional connection and that's what can start to help people think differently about the like not even just that that campaign is called think different but think differently about brands. And differently about the products that they sell, even when you're making these big campaigns or what would have been probably a big investment for them at the time, with no mention of price or features or products or anything. Anything. And and that's what can start to help um, lift up a brand, especially I think during times like this where people are looking more for that connection. I mean, I was kind of looking back around at some uh, some other kind of very successful brand marketing or brand commercials or pieces of advertising. And the one that I kind of found and went back to that I was like, oh, yeah, that was so good was um, the Force ad by Volkswagen. Do you remember that? It was one of the most successful Super Bowl commercials ever made or in the past decade for sure. Um, and it's the were the little kids in like the Darth Vader costume. Kind of. Yeah, I kind of do. Yeah. Yeah, so for anyone listening, go in and look up The Force, which was an ad by Volkswagen. And again, it was a 30-second runtime, $3 million price tag, um, they say. And in the ad, it's introducing the new Passat at the time. And um, in this ad, in this Super Bowl ad, the, there's no mention of price. There's no mention of fe- features. There's no mention of capabilities. You see the car for probably you know a 10-second um, bit of this ad. And so he's dressed in Darth Vader and he uses the force to like start the car. So they're just highlighting one of the things of how you have the remote control and the car will start. And this ad generated like more than 2 million views and went on to be the most shared ad of all time. And so really, I think, yeah, yeah, really. And it's such a good ad, like go watch it. Cause you just like, you feel for this little kid and it just, it does, it stirs something inside that actually makes oh, you want to, and he's using, to watch he- it. 
the kid thinks he just started the car when the father yes, used the remote. He's, yes, he's trying to be Darth Vader and he's yes. going around the house trying to use the force and yeah. it's not working. And yes. he has this magical moment with his, this car and his dad, which you're just like, yeah, it's something that you know, can help make that emotional connection. And as Seth Godin says, you're creating these stories and these memories um, within people that help them connect to the brand. Which is brilliant, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I just want to put a little bit of a twist on it and leave people with something to think about because um, if we go back to Seth Godin and kind of what we were and some of the things that um, we're saying about brand, he also wrote this other post that I'm just like, oh, this is exactly what we need to think about, especially right now in 2020 and thinking about marketing is that in 2013, he wrote this blog post, uh, sorry, in 2013, he wrote this blog post called, the brand is a story, but it's a story about you, not about the brand. So I'm like, yeah, let's read this. So I'll just read this quick blog post to you guys and we can talk about it. It says, You're such a why, nerd. I know, I know I am. He says, why prefer Coke over Pepsi, GE over Samsung, Ford over Chevy? In markets that aren't natural monopolies or where there are clear agreed upon metrics, how do you decide? Yes, every brand has a story that that's how it goes from being a logo to a name to a brand. The story includes expectations and history and promises and social cues and emotions. The story makes us say we love Google or love Harley. But what do you really love? And this is where I'm like, okay, he says we love ourselves. We love the memory <laughs> yeah. we have yeah. of how that brand has made us feel once. And we love that it reminds us of our mom or growing up or our oh. first kiss. We support a charity or a soccer team or a perfume because it gives us a chance to love something about ourselves. We can't easily explain this even to ourselves. We can't easily acknowledge the narcissism and the nostalgia that drives so many to the apparently rational decisions. I say that with air quotes, rational decisions we make every day. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're not at work. More than ever, we express ourselves with what we buy and how we use what we buy. Extensions of our personalities, totems of ourselves, reminders of who we are and who we'd like to be. Great marketers don't make stuff. They make meaning. That's a serious mic drop. <laughs> I'm like, this is, yes, this is exactly what you think that think different, a think different campaign is making people just be like, yeah, I, I think that that sounds cool. What Apple said, no, it's that they're making people think I yes. think different. I'm a different person. I'm progressive. Exactly. It was this yeah. deep, I've deep now seated found my like people. Yeah. I found my tribe. I found my people. Apple is my brand because I think the way they think they were signaling, right? They were sending out a sig signal as a brand saying, it's okay to be like this. In yeah. fact, it's wonderful to be like this, right? It's deep. It's emotional. And d these things, Apple, and you just said it through Seth Godin, Apple clearly made a, a, a connection so deep, no one even knew what it was. They just responded to it. Well, I think that's what they say in here. We can't easily explain even to ourselves how yeah. this type of advertising makes us feel it's just that we know they have a value. They're sharing that value with us. It's something that I resonate with because that's how I want to be. And that's how I know I am on the inside. And they know that 
I'll even challenge that we, to say, maybe you don't even know what you're like on the inside. Like it's literally triggered something. That's what I mean is it's that subconscious. Do you know what I mean? You, you relate yeah, to maybe. it and you don't even know how. Yeah, that's, maybe. That's how crazy that is. Right. So that's what I would say. And I know, um, I think that's something for brand marketers and marketers of all sorts to kind of take away is that what is it within people that they may know consciously or to your recent point, subconsciously, that they want to be like or want to know about themselves or want to be as an expression of themselves. And I was even putting something together for a client yesterday that says, you know, brands or people want brands to support them on their journey and they want brands to be a reflection of who they are, whether they know it or they don't know it. And that's kind of how people latch on to the badge. Um, yeah, latch on to the badge as a brand to say, I align with you, whether I know it or I don't, and it's stirring something within me and I want your brand to be a part of who I am. That's that's a crazy thing <laughs> in yeah. comparison to I want to buy a computer that helps me make PowerPoint. It's just completely different. And that's the difference between and brand market brand marketing and product marketing. I love the um, the notion of the path. I think they're stepping stones. This would have been Apple's first stepping stone into brand marketing to say, wow, people actually latched on to what we were saying. What else do we believe? What yeah. else do they believe? What can we say that helps us have a shared belief together? And then how can we use those to be more stepping stones along our path to build a great brand? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's okay. it. We'll leave some links in our in our notes to the campaign Sean's talking about, to some of the the uh, content we talked about from Seth Godin, who we both love. But I love this topic. You this love Seth Godin. Let's be I clear. love Seth you love Godin. Seth Godin. I know. I, I like just, him. I just I, I don't have time to read that much of him. But man, he he it, everything I read from him blows my mind too much. Like I'm like I can't I can't do this. But that's what I need. It's like a little snippet to just changes the way that. You know, I hate that he's. That I, think. I I I hate that he's always on the mark. Like I don't. <laughs> how does he live his life? How do you Be go wrong, around? Seth being, Godin, come on. How do you go around? How do you spend life being that? That's it's crazy to me. It's literally like, yep. I've never been like. See, no, that's where I don't agree. It's just like, yep. Okay, Seth Godin, I need to go away for a while because I need to. I need to. Uh, what do you say? Marinate on that. <laughs> Well, go away now and marinate, Sean. All Thank right. you so much for the awesome chat. Thank you. Have a great week, everyone. You too. And like we said earlier, we are now on iTunes and Spotify. So go check us out on your favorite uh, platform. Or go to thetwomarketeers.ca. Thanks, Sean. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode, my fellow marketeers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe to this podcast at thetwomarketeers.ca. That's thetwomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. Be sure to tune in for more marketing adventures every month from us, the Two Marketeers. But you can just call us Sean and Lindsay. Actually, I, I would prefer Wise Guy. Yeah, I, I know you would. We're not, we're not doing that.